You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Bible's out. We are going to be right in Colossians chapter 3. And what an amazing book as you look into it. Uh, the first two chapters of Colossians deals with doctrine. Uh, the second two chapters, they, it deals with deportment. Uh, as one commentator uh, stated, he said that doctrine determines deportment. And uh, it's talking about our conduct. If we don't have our doctrine right, there's no way to get our conduct right. And so the first two chapters dealt with the, con the doctrine, and then uh, three and four dealing uh, with the uh, with the conduct of the believer. Colossians chapter 3, look with me again at verse number 1. The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. And here in verse number three is going to be the, the key text for the, uh, the, the message tonight. He said, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. And tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, the life of the dead. The life of the dead. It doesn't sound like it works, does it? But as believers, we are all to die to self. We are to be crucified with Christ. And so, as we look at all of the struggles that we have, as we die to self, as we deal with our conduct as a Christian, it changes not only the relationship this way, it changes the relationship this way. And so, the life of the dead, and let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless now this time. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you that we as a church family were able to gather tonight and, and uh, uh, observe the table uh, that you have provided for us. And Lord, just the, uh, the re remembrances of what you have done, your broken body, your shed blood. And Lord, we, we can't get over our salvation. I pray that you would help us. Lord, to recognize and to, uh, to remember all that you have done for us. And then, Lord, help that remembrance to drive us, to motivate us, to serve you. And so I pray that you bless now this time, bless this group of people, those that are in person, those that are watching online. Uh, Lord, lead all of us, meet with us, Holy Spirit, please, for Christ's sake we pray. Amen. 
So here, as we uh, look at this, uh, these final two chapters of Colossians, Paul moves into the practical application. He moves from just the teaching of truth, and that's what doctrine means. It just means teachings. And so he went from the teaching to now the application. And it doesn't do us any good if we have right doctrine and wrong behavior. It doesn't, it doesn't help at all. You can, you can know the truth, but if you don't live the truth and we don't obey the truth, it doesn't do us any good at all. Uh, there, there has to be the practical application of it. It's, it's sort of like somebody that is spun out trying to tell somebody else about how good the Lord is. What happens? You look at them and thinking, man, what you're telling me doesn't line up with what you are, how you are living right now. And, and the same thing in the Christian life as, as we have truth, we've got to make sure that we are allowing the truth to impact how we live, how we act. And so, uh, so here, as we look through this chapter, and we're not going to go through the full chapter tonight, uh, but as we start looking into it, we can't forget the culture of the day. And uh, this, this time frame, first century, uh, it was a very pagan uh, culture. It was a very pagan time. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, commentary, uh, Warren Wearsby, uh, he said this, he said, we must keep in mind that the pagan religion of Paul's day said little or nothing about personal morality. And so here you have a church and they're gathering together and the pagan society that they were in, there, were, there was not a, uh, a, there were no absolutes when it came to morality. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. Uh, sort, of, sort of sounds like America today, doesn't it? Uh, there's no absolutes on morality there. Uh, and during this time, uh, they say that uh, it was not only uh, their idolatry, it wasn't only their, their offerings uh, to, to pagan gods, it was also, uh, they would, even within the church, they say that they would bring an offering, give it to the Lord, and then go, go in the next moment and sacrifice a child to a pagan god. It was, it was just a, there, there were no absolutes. And so as we are looking at this, we, we recognize as believers that, that morality is a part of the Christian life. And you know, uh, here, Paul deals with the negatives before he ever gets to any of the positives. Our culture today does not like that. They just want to be, pat, everybody just wants to be patted on the back. And unfortunately, even within the church, uh, so often, uh, we don't want conviction. We just want to feel good about ourselves and feel good about uh, our life. And, uh, and here, what we recognize is Paul dealt with sin. We can't be right with the Lord without dealing with sin. Amen. And so here as Paul walks through, he starts pointing out some of the sins and, and he doesn't mention all of the sins. 
You have to remember in Romans, Paul, uh, he also, he gave a list of, I believe it was 17 or 18 sins, and then he said, and such like. No, uh, that was in Philippians, uh, the lust of the flesh. Uh, And then you look in Romans chapter 1 and all the sins that were listed. uh, And all of those, there, there were many that were mentioned, but some weren't even invented yet. And with that, we, we recognize that, that there are things that we have got to work on in our lives. So let's go back to verse number one, Colossians chapter three. In verse number one, the Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And so first of all, I want you to see the promptings of Christian conduct, the promptings. First, look at verse number one again. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ. Now, what he is referring to is he's referring to salvation. Since you are saved, since you are in Christ, because you are in Christ, then these are the things that we are supposed to do. So if then ye be risen with Christ, uh, he's saying, since ye ye are risen with Christ. Now, he is writing to believers that are still here. He is not writing to people who have already died or now in heaven. He's talking to, about, to believers that were living, and what he is, he is communicating to them is that just as when we got baptized, when you got baptized, we were baptized into his death, and we are raised in the likeness of his resurrection to walk in newness of life. And so here, that reference of being in Christ, it is showing that we are to be in Christ in the, the death the burial and the resurrection. And it is supposed to be new. So the old nature should be what is dying. It should be dead. And there should be the new nature is what we are to be alive in. And so he's referring to uh, these individuals uh, being saved. So the motivation of serving the Savior is not to try to win his love. We, that's not why we serve the Lord. We don't serve the Lord because we are trying to earn some merit of his approval. The Lord loves us because he is love. He doesn't love us because we are good. Uh, Romans 3 tells us there is none good. There's none good. Uh, You and I could not and would not be good if we could. But we can't because we're sinners. And, and here the Lord is, is, is just uh, showing us that the motivation for, for us to serve him is because we are in Christ. We are risen uh, with Christ. So the motivation uh, is for us to serve him because we love him. And because we love him, we don't want to hurt him. We don't want to disappoint him. I love my parents, and with the love that I have for my parents, I would not want to do anything that would bring shame to their name. I would not want to do anything that would cause them to be embarrassed, that would cause them to be hurt. I love my wife. I don't want to live in such a way that would bring dishonor to her or to break her heart, uh, to injure her. I love my children and my grandchildren, and with that, those are motivations for me to live and to do right. Why? Because I don't want to disappoint 
disappoint them. I don't want to live in such a way that would bring disgrace and dishonor to them. And, and that, is, that is a great motivation. And the reason why we should serve the Lord is because we love him. We love him. And because we love him, we want to make sure that we aren't going to do anything that would be disappointing to him. Now, all of us face temptations. All of us face testings and trials. All of us uh, are tempted uh, by the evil one. But as a child of God, uh, we have to remember who we are. We are a child of God. And we have to remember who we represent. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ down here on this earth. And since we represent him, we've got to make sure that we are acting and living in such a way that we are a good representation for him. Uh, We are ambassadors for Christ. And since we are an ambassador for him, we want to represent him well to this earth. And so uh, verse number uh, one, we see the power of Christ. He was risen, uh, the power uh, to be risen from the dead. What an amazing uh, God that we have. There's power over death. There was power over sin. There was power over the depths of hell. And so we see the power of Christ in, in uh, 3.1, if ye then be risen with Christ, And Christ has risen. He is the one that has overcome uh, sin and death and hell. And so uh, we see that power, uh, the place of Christ. uh, And and the place of Christ, it says in verse 1, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. You know, why do we need to set our affections on things above as opposed to things beneath? Because that's where the Lord is. That's where He is. And so our our attachments, our feelings, our emotions, they should be heavenward, not just because that we're going to go to heaven instead of hell. Not just because he's preparing a mansion for us, uh, John chapter 14. Not just because uh, we, are, we are going to be able to see all of the glory of heaven. And heaven is going to be an amazing place. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting there. Uh, but I want to go by the upper taker, not the undertaker. Uh, I just assume the Lord take us all at the same time. Rapture sounds like a great idea. Uh, and so the Lord's going to come back. But when he comes back... Uh, Until then, my affections need to be in heaven, uh, but not just because of all the things that we are going to get when we get to heaven. Our affections should be on things in heaven because that's where the Lord is. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. God's there. That's where the Lord is at. He's in heaven. So to set our affection on things above, and then he ties where Christ sitteth at the right hand. It's just showing us the the importance of of why we should be uh, setting our affections on things in heaven. Not just because moth and rust isn't going to corrupt it. Not just because it's going to last for eternity, but because the Lord is there. And that, that really needs to, in our minds, we've got to make sure that we're focusing not just on what we get from God, but on who the Lord is. 
that relationship with him. Uh, verse number two, set your affections on things above and not things on earth. And, and, and that is the passion uh, for Christ. Our affections determine our conduct. Our affections, they determine our conduct. And, and we want to make sure that we are setting our affections uh, above uh, because the Lord is there, because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because he is my Savior, because he has forgiven my sins. I want to please him in my life. I want to live for him. Uh, so we see uh, the power of Christ. We see the place of Christ. But we, we see here that affection that should be there. Uh, so there is a prompting of Christian conduct. And with that, uh, there, is, there are so many promptings here. Look at verse number three. He says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. You are, de- you are dead. Salvation separates us from the condemnation of evil. It should also separate us from the conduct of evil. And here we, we look at this prompting, not just of salvation, but also a prompting of separation. He said, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord of hosts, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and be a father unto you. God wants us to be separated. Uh, and if we are dead, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Uh, the Bible says that we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it? And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. What is it? We, we are to hide. We wear clothing to, to hide the natural man. We, we hide our flesh. And clothes are what hides that uh, so we are not exposed. Spiritually speaking, our life is to be hid in Christ. They shouldn't see our natural man. They shouldn't see our flesh. We should see the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we, are, if we are living in such a way that the Lord would want us to live, what we'll find is we are dead. You know, a dead person doesn't have any hurt feelings. A dead person doesn't get offended. A dead person doesn't have an agenda. So what do, we, what do we find here? We find that you and I are to be dead. We are to, to, our life is to be hid in Christ. He is the one that is to be motivated or to be lifted up. It's not to be lifting us up. The world, we, we shouldn't be trying to get our place. You know what we should be doing is just promoting Christ. 
He's the one that should be lifted up. Uh, tonight, we had the Lord's Supper. What are we doing? We're stopping everything. The Lord wanted us not to forget him. But even in our own Christian life, we can get busy with our own life and our own ways and our own plans and our own agendas. Uh, and here, uh, he said that we are to be dead, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So there was the promotion of separation there was a promotion uh, of, of safety that's here, though, because our life is hid in Christ. It doesn't get any safer than that. Well, what if such and such happens? There are so many what ifs. But if we are hid in Christ, we're safe. We're safe. If we are not, we're in a very dangerous place. And here we see that prompting as a committed follower of Christ, our life is to be hid with Christ in God. The promptings of spirituality, verse 4, he said, when Christ, who is our life, Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Uh, there, there is the impetus for us is when we are looking at Christ, he is to be our life. Not a part of our life, not a part of our schedule. He is the life of the believer. Why? Because we are dead. And without him, we're dead. But here he said, when Christ, who is our life, so the believer's character should be in alignment with, that, with their spiritual life, not their physical life. And so when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And so uh, that the future should inspire uh, excellent conduct in ourselves. He says, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And so looking to what we shall see, what we shall have, it should motivate us to live for him now in such a way uh, that would uh, just bring great honor to him. So the promptings of Christian conduct. Secondly, the particulars of Christian conduct. Now, this is where he starts breaking things down. There is the uh, encouragement, but we start seeing the, uh, the breakdown here. He says in verse number five, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath, wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. And so here the apostle is trying to get this group of believers uh, to look at their life and their conduct and to bring it into order and here he is talking about uh, sins, and the sins that he is pointing out, they were all sensual sins. These were all sins of the flesh. Uh, he said, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Uh, he said, 
fornication, uncleanness. So, uh, so here, uh, that uh, uh, the sin that was there, it was a sensual sin. Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Uh, and and that, uh, uh, that, uh, that love uh, of God, uh, I am not to live in, uh, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, which loved me and gave himself for me. And so we are to, uh, we are to be crucified with Christ, and we are to crucify the lust of our flesh. And so here, uh, the sins that we are to mortify. Now, the word mortify literally means to kill. It means to be dead. And so to mortify, he said, you and I need to mortify the flesh, the works of the flesh, these sensual sins. He said these sexual sins, if you would, fornication. The word for fornication is pornea. And these sins were rampant in Paul's day. Immorality was rampant. Homosexuality was rampant. Bestiality was rampant. It was, it was a vile world. And those sins were being committed within the church house. The synagogues, they would have temple prostitutes. They would, there were so many things that were going on. And these people that were getting saved, they hung on to their worldliness. And Paul had to come in and say, hey, this is, this is not how Christians conduct themselves. Now, when, when we're talking about the immorality here with, uh, with the fornication, this is any any sensual, sexual sin. Outs this is relationships outside the bounds of marriage. And those are sins that are still under the judgment of God. It doesn't matter what century we're in. And they still are not appropriate for the believer. And so uh, the fornication here, pornea, uh, sexual immorality, it's the word that we use to get pornography from. And that has no place in the life of a believer. And it's not just men that deal with pornography, it's women as well. And you and I, we've got to make sure that we are conducting ourselves in such a way that we are living uh, as a dead. We are mortifying the deeds of the flesh. We are killing these. Uh, we are not allowing them to have life in our life. Why? We're going to mortify these sins. Uh, it wasn't just the sexual sins. It was the sordid sins. The word uncleanness, akarthasia, and, and it is any immorality. It is talking about uh, the immorality. Uh, it was uh, dealing with sensual sins, uh, but it was especially as dirty and impure actions. It was a word to pick up all of the other sins that didn't fall under fornication. Yet it was perversion. 
It was wickedness. And God was saying, this does not have a place uh, in the life of a believer. Ephesians 5, 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Uh, the sins and these sins of the flesh, the perversion and misuse of God's intended plan uh, for the, uh, the relationship, the intimate relationship, it had been perverted. And, and there was a new way to look at it. There was a new way to, to view uh, the, the relationship, uh, the intimate relationship. And God here was trying to get his people to see things properly. And what do we have to do? We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. The pure, not the, not the perverted. And this world has flaunted and perverted the body in such a way that sins are just before us all the time. They're ever before us. And you and I, we've got to make sure that we are mortifying the flesh. Don't give the devil any room in your life. Don't give him any room. It's, I, I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say, well, pornography doesn't hurt anybody else but me. That's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. And the sin uh, of immorality, the sin of fornication, the sin of pornography. It is detrimental to a mindset. And you can't properly look at people the way you're supposed to when you are engaged in pornography. I have never heard of one child abuser that was not hooked on pornography. Well, I would never, yeah, I know. It's a gateway. It's a, it's a sinful behavior that God Almighty is not pleased with. And the immorality, you say, well, it, I did not create, I did not have the action of that sin. The Bible, the Lord said, if you, you have lusted after her, you have committed adultery already with her in your heart. Amen. So, so what do you find? The New Testament, the Old Testament was don't do it. New Testament, don't think it. Don't think it. The bar went up. And, and here, when we look at this, we see that there were things that were going on. Immorality was raging in this pagan culture, and it's raging today. And, and the devil is after you, and he is after your marriage, and he is after your, your testimony. He is after your home. He is after your children. And you and I, we have to have a spiritual mindset so we are not allowing the devil to have his way into our homes. We're not bringing him into our homes and giving him uh, a room uh, to work. Uh, the Bible says that we are to not make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. So Colossians 3, 5, he goes on of things that we need to slay. He said, uh, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication and uncleanness. These are dealing with the sexual sins. He goes on, inordinate affection. And that is depraved passion. 
That is, that is passions that are part of the depraved, uh, sinful, natural uh, man. The iniquitous cravings, uh, evil concupiscence here. And it is just the, the craving for sin. Uh, lasciviousness is the unbridled lust. Uh, it is a desire for that which you are not supposed to have. And God, God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be pure. And when we come before him, we need to live in such a way that we're bringing honor and glory to him. Uh, the, the desires here, uh, the evil concupiscence and covetousness. Covetousness. Covetousness is almost like, well, it's not even really a sin. But it is. You stop and think what God ties covetousness with. He states here, which is what? Which is what? Idolatry. That's falling down to a false god. That's bringing sacrifices to a false god. That is worshiping a false god. The Lord the Lord chastened his people. He sent the prophets over and over again. Their, their sinful behavior uh, wound them up uh, in Egypt as slaves for 430 years. And then there was deliverance and he brought them out. Uh, and then he was going to bring them into uh, the, the promised land. Yet there was that, uh, they, did, they wanted to go back in. They ended up worshiping a golden calf. What happens? We see uh, judgment comes. We find them uh, in the wilderness wandering. Uh, then, then we see that as they finally got into the promised land, they still didn't follow the Lord and they turned back back away from him. And what do we find? We find, uh, we find the uh, Babylonian captivity, a 70-year period uh, where God, he destroyed the city of Jerusalem, the, the temple. Uh, his people were taken away uh, as, as hostages and slaves into a foreign land. Judgment came. Why was it idolatry? Why was it covetousness? Oh no, that was idolatry. I know we look at it different, don't we? But that's how God looks at it, that covetousness, that desire for things and uh, the insatiable desires. And so here uh, we see, though, what, what is the support? What's the reason why we need to follow this instruction? Look at verse number six. He said, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. It's either blessing or it's judgment. One of the two. And here God says, if we allow these things into our life, we are inviting the judgment of God. So why should I not do these things? I don't want God's judgment. I don't want the judgment of God in, on my life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ uh, that everyone may receive in his body the things that he had done, whether it be good or bad. We are gonna stand before the Lord. And with that, there is judgment. There is a day of accounting coming. 
And we are going to stand before him. Uh, and so uh, we, we want to make sure that we are serving him so we don't have that judgment. Uh, so uh, the, uh, uh, the punishment, uh, but also not just the punishment. I should want to get things out of my life that should not be there. Why? Because of the past. Look at verse 7. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. He said, don't you remember where you were? Don't you remember when you were bound by those sins? Don't you remember when you were still under the judgment of those sins in your life and the power that those sins had over you? And because of the past and the deliverance that God has given to you, Man, why would we ever want to go back? Unfortunately, sometimes we glorify the past, and we shouldn't. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing good about the good old days. There's nothing good about the days without Christ. There's nothing good. And I'm not saying that there was not pleasure in sin. There is for a season but the bondage that sin brings into the life of a person, any individual, saved or lost. Sin destroys. Sin kills. And you and I, we should mortify, we should put to death our own will, our own desires, our own plans, and we should allow the Lord to live in and through us. You know, I'm not, I'm not for those little, little bracelets, you know, those little rubber bracelets that people have sometimes, and, you know, there's no sin over them. I just personally didn't like it. I'm not somebody who likes to jump in on a fad. And so, uh, so, so with that, uh, you know, uh, it's just one of those things that sort of bugged me. Uh, but I don't know, someday, I don't know, we maybe we'll give them away to everybody, who knows. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, with that though, when those first came out, I remember the first thing that Christians started putting on them. Does anybody remember? What would Jesus do? And it was on all those, those rubber bands that were going around people's wrists. But you know what? If we are truly following Colossians chapter 3 and 4, we will be dead in Christ. And what will happen is we will mortify the deeds of our flesh and we will let him live through us. Lord, what do you want to do today? Now, the Lord gives us a lot of freedom. There are a lot of wonderful things that we can do. You know, the Lord isn't asking us to be a soul. He's not asking us to go out and knock on doors for 30, 40, 50 hours a week. Would it be great if we could do something like that? Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't asked us to do a lot of things. There's a lot of freedom that he has given to us. 
And he allows us to enjoy and do things that we like. But we should not choose to do things that we know he would not like. And as a believer, allowing our doctrine, I'm, I believe we're solid on our doctrine. But we don't always allow our doctrine and our conduct, our deportment to line up. And we've got to make sure that it's not just right on one side, it's got to be right on the other. So as believers, the life of the dead, what is it? The life of the dead is allowing Christ to live through us. Dead to self, dead to the flesh, but alive in Christ. Now, where are we? I'm afraid we sort of go back and forth. And in the Christian life, if this is truth and this is where we ought to be, we might not be right this way. But we should try to get as close as we can. We shouldn't be living our life way out here and, and then crossing. We should stay true to truth. The life of the dead. Father, I pray that you'd help us. And Lord, just a, a great night tonight, being able to look at all that you have done for us and Lord, what we get to celebrate with the Lord's Supper. Yet, Lord, as we know truth and we know you, I pray that you would help us to be honest with you. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to die to our flesh and to our own ways and desires. And so I pray that you would uh, just lead us and guide us. May the Spirit of God work in hearts. You know the needs of each person. So help us tonight to grow. For Christ's sake we pray. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc4me.org. May God bless you.